Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes speed bumps and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell and Corey Frank from Branch 49. Discovery calls are typically auditory-only affairs, but this episode of Market Dominance Guys reminds us that we are physical beings having a full-person experience. As Chris emphasizes, you don't converse with a brain in a jar, so why disconnect your body from the persuasive power of discovery? From micro-prancing to miming props to the heptic value of gestures and pauses, your physical presence profoundly impacts connection, emphasis, and revelation. Body language not only expresses what pure words cannot, but it heightens the musicality and truth emergence. Chris describes it as letting the silence breathe. So start envisioning your prospects, get your blood pumping, and bring your whole self into alignment with the call. It's time to let your full body discovery create breathing space for truth. What nonverbal techniques will you incorporate in your next call? Listen to this episode, Full Body Discovery, Breathing Space for Truth. Well, Chris, I know you and the Fetching Miss Fiducci got back from a recent trip to the wine country in the south of France. And I think you told me a few stories about how certain wines need to breathe after they're open differently than others. And Henry, it sounds like what you're trying to teach us here is that there are certain questions that you can just let. Is there a French term for that, Chris, that breathing the, what's that, the wine? My, my French sucks, but it is ironic when you think about it, right? I think this actually is a pretty apt analogy you've brought up. The wine is corked so that it almost doesn't breathe. It actually breathes a little bit. That's why real corks are considered to be important in some kinds of wines, because there's a little oxidation that needs to go on over a long period of time. There's a little breathing, but then you want a lot of breathing reasonably fast. I have no idea what that is called in French. My French got better after 21 tastings one morning before lunch, and then we climbed a mountain together that it was really quite fluent, I'm sure, at that point, but I don't think I knew how to talk about this. But it is really something. I mean, this is true in music also. The silences are where the music is actually heard, so to speak. And when you're learning to play, Henry is a musical person. He's been involved in this sort of stuff too. When you're learning to play as a little kid, the rests don't mean nothing to you. And when somebody's a virtuoso, the rests are everything. It's the timing of the silence and the precision of the silence that allows the listener to become part of the music. And that's what you're really looking for in discovery is you want the other person to become a producer of, of the music, of these truths that are coming out and, and are, you're working together on them. As Sean, I love that. We're going to do this together. We're not going to do it. I think that's not so much of a command, like I'm setting up a set of conditions, you know, either you do this with me or we're not going to do it. It's a statement of fact, either we're going to do it together we're not going to do it as in we're not really going to get it done. We're just going to kind of sound like we're getting it done or act like we're getting it done. And getting to the bottom of stuff is quite, quite difficult with folks. It takes pregnant pauses. I mean, pregnant pauses give birth at some point, and sometimes they give birth to stuff that's pretty magnificent to something new. And it's the hardest thing, right? We love to fill in. You imagine a podcast, say we ran the podcast like this. Corey, you ask a question, we all just sit here and look at the audience for I don't know, 30 or 40 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Take off the glasses once in a while. Right. How do you, we, we've talked about that here at branches is the world of hepatics and NLP. And I know we have to cut you loose here in a minute, Henry, for a seven or eight, nine or figure deal here that you're pursuing. But can you use those verbal disfluencies, the hepatics, the pregnant pauses to take off your glasses and lean forward as if we were together, where there's a figurative me reaching out, just slightly touching your knee as I take off my glasses and leaning forward like a good doctor would, like a good therapist would, and tell you what I think. And with the deep baritone, with the late night FM DJ voice that our friend Chris Foss talks about, I mean, there's a musicality of that. Inglorious Bastards, right? One of my favorite scenes is towards the end when they're trying to impersonate their Italian film crew. We all remember in Christoph Waltz, you know, is, knows that they're not Italian, and, but he has them introduce themselves name by name. And he says, uh, what's your name? And he says, Antonio Margariti or whatever his name is. Well, say it again. Let the music flow. He says, let the music of your name flow. And I just thought that was incredible that there's certain words that you can enunciate. And Henry's got a great tone. I can listen to Henry read the phone book, right? Vincent Price and you have Christopher Lee. And there's one that will post to this that I tagged you on a LinkedIn post from a gentleman who I thought had what an incredible novel way to introduce himself. His name is Andrio Kleman. Chris, I don't know if you saw that, Ronan, our good friend Ronan Pessar, but his intro, the gentleman, it was, and you remember this call, Sean, it was all pushed forward by his tone. It was very novel. It was very serendipitous. And it reeked of authenticity because of that. And the trust he had me, and I've never heard an intro like this before. We'll link it to this podcast here so people can hear of it. Then I did while you were talking, Henry and Chris, the, I think the, my French sucks too, but the appropriate term is aérélevant, right? I guess to aeration. And so I think we've, we said aérélevant de la Watia. So the Watia method is to ask a question and to just let it breathe and let it well, aerate, let it ruminate. You're making it sound far more eloquent than it probably really is. <laughs> Since you've mentioned a few names, someone for me is a more recent discovery. I'm sure you've been aware of him for some time. And Corey, he's in your neck of the woods there in Scottsdale that really, I think, has some good thinking and training around this is Jeremy Miner. I'm assuming you're familiar with Jeremy. Don't know what your thoughts are there. Not really trying to get into it, but I've just found some of his, his thinking around it helpful, at least for me. He uses hepatics a lot where he'll use the props, right, Henry? take it off his sunglasses and emphasizing. And we have, Chris and Sean know this, we have a lot of stand-up desks. And I'm Sicilian, so I have to talk with my hands and I have to have a prop in my hands at all times. And so I think maybe the last thought, Chris and Sean and Henry, for you certainly, right, as you're dealing with high-stakes deals is things and props and pacing mechanisms. You do the micro-prancing, Chris, which I'm sure keeps you on pace for your phone calls. But maybe we'll put a bow in it and go around the horn between Henry and Chris and Sean here on your go-to techniques. If I'm a new sales rep and I don't employ disfluencies or tonality or I'm not aware of my tonality or I don't use props or micro-prancing, give me your one go-to that I should have in my arsenal as a new sales rep when I'm doing discovery. So, Sean, let's start with you. I got to hear Chris's because I'm afraid if I say something, I'm going to steal Chris's thunder because I've been mentoring under him for so long that I might say something that I learned from him. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Sean. I ain't going to run out of thunder anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was on somebody else's podcast yesterday and we we're talking about language thinking 
and speaking, what happens when we speak. And we tend to be very abstract about these concepts. We act as though we might be chat GPT and it's just one word after another coming out. We add the disfluencies, we add the tonality, we start to sing. And we think that we're doing that with our brain and maybe some little part of our voice box or something like that. I truly believe that we think with our whole body. And you've never walked into a room, none of us have, and there's a brain in a jar and we have a conversation with it, right? The person is a whole person. When I'm micro-prancing, I'm a whole person in motion. I realize not everybody in our vast audience will know what micro-prancing is. Just so you know, it's a technique I accidentally developed to train for a very difficult marathon, the Mount Lemmon Marathon in Tucson, in a room in India that in which I had 10 meters in which to train and I'm getting ready to run 23 miles uphill, one mile flat, one mile super uphill, one mile very down. So uh, that's what microprancing is. For those of you who want to learn more about it, there is no place you can go to learn about microprancing. It's, it just is what it is. Well, but- actually, sorry, Chris, there is a place you can go see the old Monty Python Ministry of Silly Walks. I think that's probably the closest that people will get to your Michael Prancing, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, that was Michael Prancing too, which is a special thing. So, but to me, it's like when you're bringing your whole person to be helpful to somebody else, you are a whole person. You're actually a physical person. You're not just a bunch of words streaming out. You're not a recording of something. It's not a trick. You're there to be authentic. You have to also be in your physical self. And it's fun to play with people like that. I mean, I do it on calls all the time. I'll do a thing where I do this. It's like, you know, we're talking about cold calling us. I hold up the flight school shirts. I see flight school, right? Because it's real. And that's how we think about others too. We think about what we're hearing from other people with their bodies also. And that's why you have to be highly respectful of the late, great Stephen Hawking. Can you imagine having that little control of your body and being able to think and express thoughts that big? It's one of the most amazing bridgings of a gap that's fundamental that we take for granted. However, he had a a wonderful physical struggle, which was actually physically communicating. So without that, the game can't be played at all, so to speak. So anyway, my advice to folks about this is you and the other person are both real people. Zoom didn't make us into anything else. We're still physical bodies, right? And references to that, you know my story about my first conversation with Helen of Substance, where I said, use the word blood. There are words that invoke physical reactions in us or evoke them that allow us to get closer to the truth with each other, that break down some barriers that offer opportunities for silence that's productive. And it's smart to learn how to use those words fluently so we can use them disfluently when appropriate. You cannot be disfluent on any words that you can't emit fluently. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't. Your body has to be capable of executing the language in a way that works for the other person all the way through if you want to execute the language in a way that works for them even better. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and Sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. 
And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their Impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. It's not mere words that matter. It's not just belief, as we've talked about, right? It's now you have the triumvirate of your words, your belief, and your body. It sounds yeah. like that. That's great. Henry, thoughts on that? My answer is going to be a little bit different. In fact, in some ways, it's not necessarily contradictory, but it's, I think, you use the term hepatics. Is that correct, Corey? Just to show how little I know about this. <laughs> yes, it's part of this. When your aunt grabs your cheek, when people touch your elbow, they touch your knee just naturally at the base of the conversation. Okay. I think when it comes in the context of a discovery call, and if I'm really getting into it deep, I almost might go to the other direction, meaning I will often close my eyes. Sometimes I'll even rest my head on my hands, whatever. Again, these are telephone-based, so I'm not necessarily on Zoom. I'd probably conduct a little bit differently if I was in that format. But I, it's somewhat like I was saying, shut up to allow them to to speak. I'm also shutting up to and, and blocking out all of their sensory perceptions so that I'm really, truly listening. Very simple, not necessarily the most elegant answer, but it's the truth. And I'm finding that it's actually really helping because there's nothing else that's going on through my mind. I'm not looking at all the multiple screens that are in front of me, any distractions. It is 1000% focus on that prospect, the words they're coming out of the mouth, the what they're saying, the way they're saying it, what they may not be saying. It allows me to really, really just drill down and distill things. And I kind of get that mental image of the confessional that Chris and you talk about. So I'm, that's probably the, the mental imagery that's going on, but that's how I try to physically manifest it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm sure, Sean, when you close your eyes, you still see and feel and hear the drill instructor from when you were 17 years old. But what other advice would you have for somebody Jumping onto a discovery call in this world, what's the one technique you would give to them as we round out this version of the market dominance, guys? Earlier today, I shared another phrase with you that I believe, I think is a universal truth and it's kind of self-evident that the truth is curative, right? The truth is curative. And I mean, if we're going to actually be able to share secrets with each other and have real confessional type conversations, then it has to be genuine. And then you bring up the concept of how to listen, right? How do you listen? And just one technique that I found, I picked it up along the way from other psychologists, people before me again, is to say things back to people, to say back to somebody what they said to you, right? Because it requires that you listen. And I think another important add-on to that is say it back to them if you can, if you have the acumen and experience and so on, to say it back to them in a way that maybe fortifies or even improves what they said. And from a discovery and sales perspective, if you want to build, really build trust, say it back to them, even if you disagree, if it doesn't fit with where you need them to go, which would be persuasion and convincing and things like that, which I am just not a fan of. I'd rather have a conversation with somebody, say it back to them and they say, you know what, that's interesting. Or say it back to them in a way that fortifies their argument, especially, especially if you disagree. And then when you hand that baton back to them, my experience and what I've learned from trying it is that they'll continue to talk or they'll say, that's right. The Chris Voss thing, right? Negotiation. That's right. Great. Okay. Next. Let's move on to the next thing. So that was a lot in there. Authenticity, listening, the truth is curative, all outside of the scope of very popular things like persuasion and bending people to your will and being crafty and things like that. It's just simply not my way. I prefer to go that other route that is genuine and authentic. And those are some of the tools I use to get there. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Especially that word you do it effortlessly is there's certain words that resonate in the language for me, and I have a list of them, And but the one that you just mentioned, you said fortify. That's a very underutilized word. Would you say, I think, Chris and, and yeah. Henry, that's a, that's a good word to use. 
earlier, Chris, Henry, I think you and I peaked up when Chris used the word longitudinal qualities. Mm-hmm. Things have longitudinal yep. qualities. Another good, that's a good one. But the last question, lightning quick here, Henry, and I know uh, you've been very gracious with your time, but I'm curious, do you screenplay and script out your discovery calls? Do you have the first X amount of questions? Do you have a goal in mind? You've done this so many times, right? The hundreds of millions of dollars worth of properties and assets that you've sold and helped a broker through. But for your discovery calls in this new era over the last few years or so, do you screenplay them or script them out? Or how do you uh, how do you structure them to make sure that they're replicable? I do have uh, you know the euphemistic playbook that I talk about, which is literal. I've got the copy right here on my desk in front of me. That the discovery call is structured and scripted and thought through. I will tell you, I'm using it less and less, um, and it's partly for the reasons of the topics that we're discussing here. Some of it's perhaps just you know having gotten the reps in now so many times, and some of it's just getting ingrained. But I'm finding that if I'm truly discovering and truly letting the the prospect more importantly, self-discover, it becomes less and less reliant upon scripts. There's still a basic framework in place. Obviously you have to have a certain objective and admittedly we have a little bit of benefit perhaps because we're in a very narrow niche. It's very well-defined. We know who we're speaking with. Um, there's not really much in the way of qualification that needs to go on. They're definitionally yeah. qualified if they're in our TAM. So that's a separate mm-hmm. topic. So there's certain freight that doesn't need to be carried in our particular discovery context that might be in others. So with all those caveats in place, I'm finding that I am moving further away from a kind of regimented discovery Mm -hmm. call. If I had to guess, just kind of look, taking the long view here, I'm going to probably cycle back. But when I kind of get back to the more structured (laughs) approach, it'll probably be, it'll be a re-engineered, reconstituted approach that's going to be much more heavily reliant upon tonality and and some of the concepts we've been discussing here. I get it. I am more of an advocate myself, uh, Chris. I'll give you the last word as we round up this episode on screenplaying out every pause, ah, and um in the discovery. The Cohen brothers from Big Lebowski, they, every like, every dude was screenplayed, was scripted, was written in there on purpose. David Fickner from, uh, I think, Fight Club, every nuance is written in there. And there's certain directors that are just adamant that what they write, they want the actor a pause, an ah, an um, an er alike to to be in there. And and I find that helps replicate, because we have a larger team, Henry, obviously, with, with your team there as a contributor with your practice, but we're trying to scale it up. And I'm trying to look for the factors that would diminish the opportunity in that discovery call. And so every nuance or word matters. But Chris, we'll give the last word to you on this episode of discovery and tonality in the the world of, uh, of discovery calls. Well, I love the point you just made. I mean, we practice as professionals at anything so that we can improvise based on what's happening. Without the practice, we have no foundation for improvising. Without being willing to improvise, we can't adapt to reality. So reality, that's where the truth, the truth is out there somewhere. And, uh, you know, everybody has a plan, as they say, until X, Y, or Z happens. But you better practice your plan, so to speak, so that your speech can be ballistic, so to speak. Right. It's like you can't uh, throw a ball or you can't do anything that's athletic a little tiny piece at a time. you got to get to the point where you can do it smoothly. And then having learned that, you can do it in reality where there's going to be things that interrupt the smoothness. You can riff safely. For sure. Or, right, when in doubt, just let it aerate. Just let it breathe. And <laughs> let it simmer. Let That's it right. simmer. That's beautiful. 
Well, excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Henry, for uh, for jumping on this episode of Market Dominance, Absolutely. guys. And uh, uh, Sean, thank you for having always me. a pleasure. Uh, the professor of, professor of prospecting, stop on by the studio. I'm glad we could. So it's good to see everybody. Sean, it's nice to make your acquaintance. Been a fan of yours on LinkedIn for a while. So it's nice to... Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. Guys, that was uh, that was really cool. I love it. So for Chris Beal from Connected Cell, this is Corey Frank. Until next time. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's Modern and Innovative Sales Toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.